This episode of the Critical Condition Sports Podcast is brought to you by Bonnie G Realtor. If you're in the San Antonio area and you're looking to either sell or buy a home, Bonnie G Realtor is the one for you. You can go ahead and contact Bonnie G Realtor on Facebook and Instagram at Bonnie G Realtor. Once again, that's Bonnie G Realtor, B-O-N-N-I-E-G-R-E-A-L-T-O-R at Bonnie G Realtor. Go ahead and DM her and set up an appointment today. All that stuff will be linked in the description below. So here we go, and welcome everybody to another edition of the Critical Condition Sports Podcast. Today's a very exciting episode because I have Joe Gianetti joining me on later on in the show. About probably under the next 10 minutes, he'll be coming on. It's a very exciting time. You know, Joe's uh, fantastic. He's actually a professional mixed martial arts fighter who has a record of 10 wins, 3 losses, and 1 draw. We're going to go ahead and talk about, you know, just his journey as a fighter. You know, Joe was known for coming out in the season 27 on The Ultimate Fighter. And we'll be going over that stuff. Unfortunately for him, you know, he lost in the finale. So he was the runner up. And, you know, he unfortunately was cut by the UFC after that. So, you know, Joe's just, you know, been trying and grinding away to be able to you know, get to that point again. He's fantastic. Um, it's a great interview. Uh, you'll check it out coming up right now on the show. So before we get started, though, and going into the whole, you know, topic of today, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just continue with my data plugin, you know, just go ahead and follow at Critical Condition Sports on Instagram at Critical Condition Sports and follow Critical Condition Sports on Twitter as well at Condition Talk and go ahead and find me on Facebook. And if you enjoy that extra content, go to Critical Condition Sports on YouTube, where I give you all weekly, go ahead and week, weekly videos and just weekly content on all the sports world tomorrow i'm going to go ahead and, and release a video with my power picks you know we're still on a good roll right now we still have winning record for the season right now we are at a 10 and 2 for the season with the power picks so go ahead and check that out for some extra content viewing so it's been a great week for me uh, you know it's been very busy obviously with nfl going on and all this corona and just different kinds of protocols that the NFL is trying to get into with sports. Football has been kind of crazy uh, for the as far as the NBA. We're reaching towards the end. You know, Lakers are leading uh, the Miami Heat 1-0 in the finals. And I'll start off with that right now. So for me, my prediction for that NBA finals was, is and it still is, it's Lakers in five. Uh, I really didn't think that Miami has anything in their arsenal to be able to contend with the Lakers. That's just me being honest. I feel like they don't match up well with uh, the Lakers in general. Um, and here's the thing, though. I don't take seriously what's going on in the bubble right now just because of the fact that this is in normal circumstances. And we're not, right? It's the year 2020. It's not normal circumstances for anyone. So the thing about... The, all this is, it's not the time for these young stars to be able to go out and have their moment. It may be right now, but it's not going to be in the future. So I really just don't view Miami as a true contender. I thought that they were a great story. You know, when you know guys like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson are stepping up, it's not something that we're going to see move forward. For a lot of these teams, I don't think that Jamal Murray is going to be making the kind of noise that he's going to that he made uh, in the bubble. And I don't feel like I feel like that's going to be the case for a lot of those players. I don't feel like we're going to really going to be seeing such uh, a shift in the NBA because a lot of these veteran players, obviously, they've been quarantined for weeks in the bubble and they just want to go home at this point, man. They just want to go in and get out. But. I will give this credit to LeBron James, though. LeBron James has been very different. He's held his team in check. He's uh, held himself to be disciplined, and they're playing dominant basketball right now, and they've played it throughout basically since this whole uh, NBA restart has happened. Um, I don't really see them getting caught up in themselves and allowing you know, more than one upset of a game to happen in this series just because of the fact that these guys want to get home. They want to get home to their families. They just want to take care of business. They're not going to let themselves get caught up in the moment. And after game one, you clearly saw that. You know, Lakers players were chanting and stuff and getting real hyped up whenever they were making some big shots. And obviously, you know, LeBron was holding them in check and he didn't have any issues with that. So you're, you're seeing them be very, very disciplined when it comes to this right now. And I don't think we're going to have issues uh, with them uh, moving forward. So I don't see an upset happening. I don't see, you know, Miami getting 
able to pull off more than a game. It's really hard to even see that at this point. I feel like the Lakers are just the absolute better team. To me, this these playoffs pretty much ended whenever the Clippers and the Boston Celtics were eliminated. And it may not be a popular opinion with Boston, but for sure it is with the Clippers. I feel like they were matching up better against them. Maybe, again, not Boston more than the Clippers. But still, you know, I feel like these uh, final or these whole this whole like NBA season pretty much just went down the drain once the Clippers got eliminated because you felt like they were the ones that could actually challenge LeBron in the series. So shifting on to this, um, Dallas Cowboys. You know, uh, it's been a great, quiet, calm week for me just because of the fact that I guess um, though Cowboy fans have DM'd me or, te- or messaged me after, you know, Sunday's game against um, Dak and, you know, the Cowboys versus the Seattle Seahawks. Um, if you don't know what happened, uh, Dak Prescott pretty much proved my point in that. And that is that he just just can't get it done against the winning teams. And here's the thing, though. Two weeks ago. Got a lot of heat just because of the fact that people were telling me, did you see that comeback that that fourth-round quarterback made? Not bad for a fourth-rounder, right, Dak Cater? Well, here's the thing, folks. Dak is phenomenal at putting up numbers. He's a top-six, top-five quarterback in fantasy football. For sure, we'll gladly start him on my team. But the argument hasn't been, um, the argument hasn't been, you know, whether he can put up numbers, whether he can lead the team. The argument is, you know, can he win when it counts? Can he be able to put his team on the ne- and, and take it to the next level? Can he win a championship? Because besides money, folks, this is why football players play the game of football and the rest of their lives whenever, you know, they, ser- they go out there and play. You know, they risk serious injuries. And that is to win a championship. The ones that aren't in there for that, you can clearly tell who they are. And you can really see it, obviously. They're the ones that don't go on to really win anything. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, all those people, all the people that don't win titles is because they don't have the same aspirations. But some people that don't generally will win a title sometimes end up being those players that, you know, just don't go out there and, you know, could care less because there are players that could care less. You know, they're, they like the money. But most of them want to win a championship. And that's the, the knock for Dak right now is I don't think he can win a title. I feel like, you know, he's got, you know, he's got a disadvantage with coaching because obviously Mike McCarthy hasn't been a, a big upgrade right now with his coaching decisions. I don't think they got better there. And the thing is with Dak is, again, what the biggest knock on him is, though, that he plays well against the bad teams and he plays bad against the good teams. and may not necessarily play terribly against the good teams, but he just doesn't beat those good teams. Anyone can beat the Dolphins, man. Mostly anybody. But when you're going up against, you know, again, a rainy, uh, not a reigning MVP, but a guy that's really by a lot of people favored to win the MVP this year in Russell Wilson, you clearly see the difference in the two kinds of quarterbacks that you have. Week one, Dak had a little bit over two minutes to drive and to be able to get it, put his team in position. Or not even say two minutes, but under two minutes. Regardless of the situation, he had more than enough time to drive his team and get them a position, get them in position to win, to kick a game, a time field goal to force the game into overtime, and he failed, and he just couldn't move the ball. This week, you saw Russell Wilson go in. He needed a field goal, and he ended up not just getting them a touchdown, but he got his team a two-point conversion to put them up seven against the Dallas Cowboys. And then again, Dak was put in that national spotlight to you know have you know a minute 47 left. You got to get a touchdown to tie the game and keep your team's hopes alive to win that football game. You have three timeouts, you know, classic two minute drill with three timeouts, man. That's a lot of time. And you go in there and, you know, again, he throws the game sling interception. And it was a terrible throw against, you know, double, triple coverage. All right. So now uh, getting into this portion of the show, it's a very exciting time for me right now because the next person that I'm about to introduce is a person I'm a very big fan of. So, uh, joining me now, it's my honor to introduce professional MMA fighter. He has a 10-3-1 draw record in the world of mixed martial arts. Some of you may know him from The Ultimate Fighter Season 27, Undefeated. Please welcome to the show, Joe Gianetti. Hey, how's, how's it going, going Joe? man? It's going Good, great. how you doing? Great, man. I'm very excited to uh, finally get you on the show, man. How have you been? I've been good. I appreciate you taking the time to have me. Um, you know, just been training, waiting for the next fight, getting ready. Awesome, man. And uh, just uh, for, for some of the audience that may not know who you are, can you just give us a little bit of a background of who you are and what it is you do now in the world of MMA? So I'm a 10-3-1 and professional MMA fighter. I was a finalist on Ultimate Fighter Season 27. Um, I lost a split decision and was actually released from the UFC, so I've been fighting my way back ever since. Um, 
And, you know, I'm coming off a loss right now. Prior to that, I was coming off two wins. And I'm just looking forward to my next fight. Um, just keep fighting, keep getting those wins, and get back in the UFC. Interesting. So now, uh, so you were the finalist, or one of the finalists, in the Ultimate Fighter Season 27. Now, that edition was the undefeated edition, correct? Yes, sir. And uh, so... A lot of people that have seen the show, it's a reality-based TV show for people that may not know what it is. Uh, you know, it varies between the number of fighters that are on the show. Sometimes it's 14, 16, and you're pretty much just in a house, correct? Yep. And there is no, no connection to the outside world, correct? Nope. No TV, no radio, no phones. Uh, we got TV like two or three times while we were there, but like they set it up just for the fights. And as soon yeah. as the fights were over, they took it back down. So that's a lot of stuff. And then you're living with the people that you're actually competing against. You know, you're all vying for the same opportunity. You all want that, you know, I believe it was a six figure UFC contract, correct? Mm -hmm. And so what's, what's some of the challenges that you have to endure when you're in the house? Cause a lot of people obviously just obviously see whatever's put on TV, but there's certain, I guess, things that not everything gets put up on TV. So what's some of those challenges that, you know, weren't captured there? Uh, honestly, I think the biggest one that we all went through, I mean, everybody handled it differently. It was just being alone. Um, especially when you're cutting weight, you're training super, super hard, you're exhausted. Normally, whether it's your family, your friends, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever, you come home and you have somebody to kind of like fall back on and somebody to kind of just like, decompress for the day and tell them like, this is how my day went. I'm so glad I'm home. I can just lay in bed, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you don't have that. You get this hard day of training and you come to this house full of guys that you're going to be fighting. So everybody's got eyes on each other. And then you're just there with your thoughts and you're by yourself. So you got nobody gassing you up like, Oh, you're the man. Like nobody being like, you got this. Like you got to do that to yourself. Uh, and so I think some guys couldn't. And I think some guys could. Now I'm assuming it's not, how awkward is it to have a camera guy just filming every single thing that you're doing 24 seven. man. So it was pretty awkward. Um, they actually like sat us down, had to talk about it. And they were like, just do your best and pretend he's not there. And like, I think I did a pretty good job at like forgetting he was there, but there were a couple of times where I'd literally just like turn and look right in the camera. Cause I was just like, what? <laughs> and uh, I'm sure, I mean, that, that gets, get, that gets awkward to a certain extent. I know that there's, you know, everyone handles it uh, very differently. There's some people that it does uh, get to them. There's some people that obviously can just ignore and go about their day. So um, while you were in the tough house, you got to train with, you know, UFC legend, uh, Daniel Cormier. What was uh, that experience like? It was really cool, man. Um, like I tell people all the time before I was a fighter, I was a fan of the sport. So yeah. just as a fan, just being on his team and like, He's my coach now for the next six weeks. It was a really cool experience. And then one of the, his assistant coaches is Cain Velasquez. Like, yes. it was just really cool. Uh, so, but two days in, you know, I kind of got over it because they worked us to the bone. Like, we were so exhausted that it was like, it went from, oh, my God, that's DC to like, what's up, coach? Like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I don't have enough energy to fanboy. No, I completely understand. So now, um, so the Ultimate Fighter um, competition reality show, uh, whatever what people want to classify it as. So it's a very long process. Um, obviously, it can be very, very rewarding when you look at the positives that come out from it. So I'm assuming, though, for this, though, I mean, it's, you know, again, 14, 16 fighters. It's a long process to be able to get on this show, correct? Yeah, so it went over, I want to say, like, maybe two months, maybe just under two months. Uh, so they announced their tryouts, and then there was probably, like, just under a month before that. So now we're already down a month. Then you go to the tryouts and that lasts about a week if you make it through the levels. And then after that, they're like, all right, we'll tell you if you made it or not. And I think 16 of us ended up making it. But the last group of guys before we left, I think there was like 30 of us or like 32 of us. Damn. So we were like, okay. So we were like literally half of us are not going to make it. And they sent us home. And then you find out like a month, month and a half later. So it was a long process and a lot of waiting. So like as soon as you get home, you just got to train your ass off and just know you made it. <laughs> I get you. And uh, I'm sure it's a very nerve wracking process, correct? Oh, for sure. And then trying to explain to my coach, like, oh, yes, tryouts went good. I think I might be on the show. We just got to train as hard as we can. It's just really weird. Now, is this more like a, is it like a, I'm sure it's not your, like MMA is not like your typical job interview. Now, when typical job interviews, you go in face to face, you talk to, you know, whoever's the hiring manager or whatever it is. Is it, is there something particular? like that where you had to have like a face-to-face -face interview with anyone when you were uh, in the process of doing the show? So we had a couple of interviews per se, but it was weird. It wasn't like a, like, tell us about you, this, that, and the other thing. 
they just kind of, kind of like we're doing, just kind of shooting the shit, asking some questions, wanting to know about you. Um, but it, it wasn't really nerve wracking because, like I said, it was casual conversation. Uh, they asked, like, well, how my fights went, who I'm a fan of, how do I think I do against certain guys. And, you know, it all kind of depended on how you answered it. Um, and obviously, it went pretty well for me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we talk about DC. What's uh, Dana White like? Uh, he's a cool guy, man. Um, so I actually didn't meet him until my first fight on the show. Yeah. And obviously, he, he went wild. I won in 17 seconds. Um, Against uh, John said, Gunther, correct? Yes, sir. Um, he went nuts. He loved the performance. Uh, he said, good job afterwards. It was really cool. And then, you know, when the show was all wrapping up and stuff, he gave us all like a, we had like a meeting uh, before we got sent home and he gave us the whole talk, like, take care of who's friends with you now because people that are friends with you after the show airs are probably just friends with you because the show airs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, so you talk about, I guess uh, we talk about some of those uh, nerve wracking and the challenges that are in the house. So how is it to train with people that you could potentially be fighting for someone? Because it's a very different thing because yeah it, it's oh, weird sorry. so oh sorry about that um it's it's really weird but you know team dc was really cool because we kind of from the jump we knew what we get ourselves into we knew we might be fighting each other we knew we all want ufc contracts so we i think we all were holding back a little bit but we all from the jump were just like let's try and make each other better so that our team can win and then when we fight each other we'll you know we'll divide in practice and you train with you and you train with you and we really didn't have many guys if any, if I remember correctly, we didn't have any guys fight each other. So uh, we didn't even have to worry about it. We were just, you know, we were just a solid team. Now, uh, was there a person that you, when you get there, because when you get there, you're not in uh, anyone specific teams, you know, I guess you're trying to just meet, you meet people, you talk to the competitors, obviously no one's in teams yet. Was there somebody that was on, like, I believe a Steve Miocic was the coach. Was there someone that went to the other team that you wish you were teammates with? Or is that, like, not even – does that, like, not even cross your mind? I mean, because I understand you're just going in there and trying to take care of your business. Uh, in the moment, it didn't cross my mind. I mean, I was in there. Like, I didn't care about anybody else. I was there for me. I could care if it was just me by myself versus a team of 15 guys. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, no, I think our team was perfect. We all got along really well, and we all, like I said – we kind of formed a, a legitimate team really fast uh, and we helped each other get so much better. Did you know any of the other guys or did you uh, hear about any one of those uh, fighters that you were with? No, I didn't know any of them. Um, the only time I'd heard their names was at the actual tryouts. Okay. And um, other than that, I didn't know who anybody was. Who's somebody that you uh, bonded with quickly when once, you know, the teams were made and you guys were training. Uh, so before the, before the actual show, after the tryouts, I ended up getting in touch with uh, Luis Pena because we, like, he messaged me and was like, you hear anything back about the show? And I was like, no, not yet. You? And he was like, nope. And then we both ended up being there. And I was like, oh, what's up? Um, and then, you know, before we were even on Team DC, we were kind of cool. But like I said, we kind of already knew, like, yo, we're probably going to have to fight, but we can still be cool. And then we got yeah. put on the same team. So, you know, me and him were really tight. Um, and we were roommates, us and Tyler Diamond and Bryce Mitchell. So the four of us got really close. Awesome. So uh, what's the – so once you leave, you talk about going into, into the Ultimate Fighter house and you go on to fight in the finale. It's a real big thing, obviously. And you're trying to keep everything, I guess, together because obviously you can't, like, talk about results or you cannot talk about things that happen on the Ultimate Fighter house, obviously. So leading up to that fight, leading up to your fight uh, with uh, Mike Trezano – Talk about, I guess, the experience of the week leading into the fight for people that don't know, like, the life of somebody preparing for a UFC fight. It's a pretty big moment. Yeah, uh, the week of, you feel like a rock star. I mean, like, there's, you got to stop and do interviews. You got to do photo shoots. Uh, you got to go sign the posters. You feel like you're the main event superstar, even being a nobody, like, which we were. We were nobodies at that point. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they make you feel awesome. They take care of you. They get your gear. You need anything, we'll give you something else. So, like, as soon as we landed, um, they met us at the airport. The UFC bust us to the hotel. Get to the hotel. We check in. Um, they ask us if we need anything, like, as far as, like, um, do we need to go somewhere to get um, weight-cutting stuff? The PI will help us with our food all week because we were in Vegas. So, luckily, we had the UFC PI down the street. And the PI was the coolest thing. Um, they took care of my food all week long, had a whole meal plan. They had the sauna in the PI, so I was able to cut weight there and have them watching over me while I did it. Um, they pretty much just – they had our back through everything. It was really cool. 
Now, as you're cutting weight, uh, you know, what's, I guess the, it's not fun, correct? Obviously, it's not not. fun. (laughs) So talk about some of like the challenges that you've you encounter in a week leading up to that, because you're preparing for a fight and it's a televised fight. It's, you know, I guess I'm not going on a limb by saying it's probably it's the biggest fight in your career at that point. And you have cameras all around you and, you know, the whole world's watching. So that plus cutting weight probably wasn't very fun. So what was a challenge as your progression through the week of a fight? Um, so for that fight specifically, there really wasn't any challenges, um, physically on the week of the fight, you know, the weight cut went great. We got the weight off. Great. Um, we trained at the PI every single day. I think I trained harder that week, uh, than I have any other fight week, you know, because it was such a big deal. I wanted to make sure that I got everything ironed out. There was no flaws. Um, but you know, yeah, mentally it's just like trying to control. This is the biggest fight of your career, but just treat it like every other fight. Like don't overhype it. Don't get nervous about it in your head. So you have to be ready to put it all out there, but also rein yourself in and not make yourself get too nervous. Now, unfortunately, you know, the, the result of that fight, you know, didn't go your way. And obviously it's not fun to know that, you know, you've gotten released, but how, how did you feel or how does that work normally? Like when you're, you know, in a company like that and they give you like the news, I know there's some fighters that, uh, you know, I guess it goes either way. Sometimes they'll retain you. Sometimes they'll let you go. So can you talk about what, uh, I guess that kind of like feels like, because, you know, that's the, I guess, brutal part of the sport, you know, not everyone is able to stay and, you know, you, sometimes you don't get what you want. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, it was weird at first. It was kind of like, I knew it was so after the fight happened, after I lost, I knew it was going to happen. Um, I was like, I told my coach, I told all my friends that were like, good job. Yada, yada. I was like, I'm getting cut. Like that sucks. Like we'll get back to the gym when I get back. And they were all like, Oh, you're crazy. There's no way you're getting cut. This, that, and the other thing. And probably like two or three weeks went by and I was like sitting there and I was kind of like, all right, I haven't heard anything from the UFC. I was like, but there's no shot. They don't cut me. And then I don't remember what day of the week it was, but I was like at my house and I took a nap and uh, I woke up and I had like five or six missed phone calls. My coach never calls me. And I'm like, what the fuck? My buddies are texting me. And I was like, why? I was like, why is everybody blowing up my phone? And I like texted him and I was like, what's up? And he was like, Oh, give me a call. And I was like, Oh, this can't be good. Mm -hmm. So I give him a call and he was like, yeah. So um, there, and he like, his voice sounded like shaken up. Like he sounded not okay. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you good? I was like, you good? And he was like, yeah, they're, they're uh, not going to keep you. Like, they're, they're not keeping you. They're going to let you go. And I was like, yeah, man, honestly, I saw it coming. And I, was, I took it pretty cool, calm, and collect. Like I said, I took it on the chin. I knew it was happening, just a matter of when. And he was kind of confused. He was like, uh, you sure you're all right? And I was like, as good as I can be, honestly. And then I hung up the phone, and I sat there for a minute. And then I remember I actually shut my phone off, and then I went for a walk, and I probably walked for like, two or three hours to be honest i got i got this old spot that i used to hang out at when i was a kid it's like next to a pond it's very like just calm and relaxing and i just walked down there and uh it was pretty far from my house at the time and i just didn't care i walked down there went to the woods sat by the river or the lake and uh i just thought about it just like what i did wrong what i could have done better what i'm gonna do moving forward and uh, it was just like i said the night of that fight there's nothing i really can do i can do two things i can sit here and cry and complain and be like woe is me or I can go back to the gym and work on getting back to the UFC. So that's what I did. Um, don't get me wrong. There was like, I don't know time-wise when, but there was definitely moments where I, like I was alone and broke down in tears. Like, cause that sucks yeah. because I went from like, this is my moment, like everything I've been working for. Cause it was hard getting the ultimate fighter. I was only six and zero, but I was seven and zero as an amateur. I had a very quick rise through the amateur and pro ranks and then right onto the show. So it happened very fast. I did a lot fast and it was difficult. Um, so, you know, I had those, I had those moments where I was just in my house, bawling my eyes out and like, this yeah. sucks. What was me? Da, 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 da. But it lasted for like 10, 15 minutes. And then I looked at the watch and I was like, all right, we got to go train. Um, I, so yeah, I it's, that. yeah. So it sucked big time, but now it's kind of like, there's still times right now where like, I don't get super upset about it, but I'm like, damn, kind of wish I was in the UFC still. But the more mature side of me says, this is the time to get better. Exactly. I have, I have all this time to get better. I'm only 25. You have guys like Israel Adesanya don't get signed to the UFC until he's like 28, 29. And look where he's at. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and that, that is a very, uh, you know, understandable thing. You know, it's, I, I guess to a sense it could be very crushing, you know, because uh, you're an athlete and again, you're a mixed martial artist. You're not, you're a professional athlete 
some other professional athlete. It's not like being in the NFL or like the NBA where, you know, you get a contract and not sure how the payment system works there, but obviously you get a boatload of money. One, if, you know, one year it, it doesn't work or you want to retire, I mean, you have the option. You mm-hmm. made money. The money's very different, uh, I guess, from uh, when you talk about the professional, like MMA scene to like, you know, basketball, football, and those other kinds of sports. So, that's a, that's a very hard one. Now, it, to me, it was very shocking just because of the fact that, you know, I saw the season you were on and I was, I was a fan and it was very surprising because of the fight that, because of the fact to me was the fight was so close and I was like, okay, well, you know, they've kept other fighters. So I was very shocked when I heard the news. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's very interesting because I know that, you know, people, there are no fighters that have lost in the finale and that have stayed with the UFC. So to me, it was a, a shocking one. Obviously, the way you handled it was a very, very mature way. There's some people that, you know, that, that kind of stuff, you know, they don't come back from. But you're, grind, you're grinding away, and right now you've, you're, you're staying active and stuff. So do you have any idea? Well, when was your last fight? Sorry. Uh, it was August 28th. It was t- August 28th. So any idea of when you're planning to try to, like, get back in? Um, I'm trying to get back in there. I'll go back in there tonight. I mean, I'm ready to go. Um, LFA told me they were looking for a name for me at lightweight. So we're going to see what they can get there. There's a guy, Ali Zebian, who's fighting tonight for LFA. I yeah. would love to get my hands on him. Uh, he's been ducking me. He beat one of my teammates. So, you know, it's a little personal. I'd like to get my hands on him. So if he gets a win tonight, I'll be hitting up LFA asking for him. Awesome. And okay. So we're talking about the future, but let's talk about, uh, something that happened. I believe it was uh, last year, November in 2019. So, you're trying to come back uh, and trying to get yourself in a position to get back and signed uh, with the UFC. You take a fight and you're, it's against a guy named uh, Patty Pimlet. I don't know if I said that correctly. So it's a fight in London. I believe it's uh, cage warriors or cage Titans. Correct. Cage, correct warriors. cage warriors. Correct. And you fly out and you take the fight on, I believe it was, was it 10 days notice? Yep. That's a real tough, uh, tough thing for, I guess, an M- for an MMA fighter because of the kind of cut. Uh, how much weight did you have to cut as you were trying to prepare for that fight? So I had to lose 28 pounds and I lost 24. So going into that, so going into that fight, obviously the fight, spoiler alert for, every, for someone that doesn't know what <laughs> happened. Yeah, uh, the fight didn't happen. Can you go ahead and just walk us through that? Because it seems to me like there was, I guess, some, some sort of controversy that was in there. Uh, there was a little bit of commotion during the weigh-ins. Can you just walk uh, everyone through the challenges between the challenges from, you know, taking a fight short notice to what happened in that situation with Patty. So I was sitting on my couch and I was playing Xbox and, you know, uh, like two hours prior, I talked to the promoter for cage Titans here in Plymouth, mass. And he was like, you know, I got nobody to fight you in November. We'll try for January. So I'm like, okay, I'm not fighting for the rest of the year. I got Thanksgiving coming up. I got Christmas coming up. I got my girl's birthday coming up. You know what? I'm just going to double down mentally. I'm not fighting this year. I'm going to relax, try to recover and heal um, and enjoy some food. I haven't enjoyed food since before I got cut from the UFC. So I was like, so I was like, I'm going to start eating. I ordered some food and I didn't even get to eat it because I got the text as my food got delivered. Hey, you want to fight Patty Pimblett at 155? I was like, sure. When next weekend, 10 days, I was like, let me go step on a scale. And I was, the hell was I? I was 184, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, I can do this, but this is going to suck so bad. Uh, and not only that, I didn't even have a passport yet. So I took <laughs> the fight before I had a passport. They said, all right. And they started working on the paperwork. I started Googling online how to get one overnighted. So I had to drive into the city of Boston, midday traffic. Um, I had to sit there all day to get through. They were like, come back tomorrow. Then I had to go back the next day. It cost a boatload of money. I had to go get my picture done for it. All this crap. Um, and then I had to like get money together for weight cut stuff, you know, my post uh, weigh and rehydration drinks, all that shit, tons of money. And I took days off of work. Um, and then we eventually got everything together. We fly out to London. Cage Warriors was awesome. It's like a mini UFC. Uh, they, they bust us from the airport to the hotel, told us like, this is where you can cut weight, yada, yada, yada. And I was a little heavier than I normally like to be on fight week, and which is expected. But the weight was still falling off. Every day I was like two to three pounds lighter. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. And then the night before weigh-ins, or the two nights before weigh-ins, we were at a gym in London. I forget. Oh, Shootbox, I think. Okay. Great gym. Wicked nice guys. They let us train in there for free because we are getting ready to fight. 
and I was doing cardio and pads. And I was like, I said to my, my teammate, Johnny cupcakes, I was like, dude, I'm kind of nervous that the weight is still falling off and I don't feel like shit yet. Normally if I have a big cut, you know, I start feeling tired and groggy, but I have yeah. to push through my workouts. I was pushing through these workouts. Like they were no big deal. And he was like, dude, he's like, just ride it out. Don't complain. He goes, if you feel good then keep going. I was like, okay. Yeah. So we were training my ass off. And then, you know, it was the day of the weigh-ins where they said, weigh-ins are at two. You need to be at the hotel lobby at one. So we got up at 6 a.m. and started the cut. And we were there for the whole day until we had to go to the bus. Um, and probably an hour before we had to go to the bus. So noon, I stepped out of the sauna. We were doing like intervals. So I'd be in there yeah. for like a half hour. And then I'd be out and under the towels for like 10, 15 minutes and back and forth. And I went in there for... I came out, I went into my towels and I wasn't really sweating much. I went back in the sauna and I was, wasn't sweating at all. And then I was like, okay, we'll just keep going. I started doing jumping jacks and high knees and all this shit. And I wasn't sweating. So I was like, all right, it's all in my head. I'm just going to stay in here. So instead of staying in for 20, 30 minutes, I stayed in there for an hour and I didn't have a bead of sweat on me. And that's, uh, uh, that doesn't sound normal. No. And so like, I was kind of just like, okay, it's all in my head. Just keep going, keep going. And my teammate came in and like, we use like a credit card or something to swipe the sweat off. And he went to do it. And it just like scratched my back because it was so dry. And at the same time, we both were like, oh no. And I was like, I don't know what to do, man. And then like, I went under the towels to try again. I was like passing out under the towels. So he texted the promoter and was like, hey, Joe's not going to be on weight. He's four pounds over. He's not sweating. They said, don't worry, we'll take care of it. I can't see Patty not taking this fight. Cool. So we go to Wayne's. I tell them, hey, it's four pounds. I'm over. They said, okay, we'll tell Patty. So at this point, they still haven't told Patty. Mm -hmm. um, they have a step on the scale. And I was kind of thinking to myself, like, it's weird that nobody seems to know yet, minus the promoter, that I'm not on weight. So I step on the scale. I checked three scales prior. They all said I was four pounds over. So 159. I step on the scale. This thing said I was like 163 or 164. Yeah, it was one, well, 160. That's what I heard it was 163. Yeah, 63. Yeah. So my first reaction is like shock and not like shock that I missed weight, but shock that three scales said I was 159. And I know for a fact I was 159 because I was so light. And then this one says I'm 163. And I, and like, I couldn't explain to somebody what their scale was like. So a normal scale here, I don't know if it's just all of England compared to the U.S., but, you know, like a U.S. scale is like a flat square, right? Correct. This, this, this thing they had me step on is like, I don't even have anything to describe it. Imagine like a big brick. Okay. Like it looks like it looks like a brick, but like two bricks high. And I'm standing on it and like I, my feet barely fit on it. It was a weird thing. You ever seen Ghostbusters? You know what? I never have. I heard it's awesome, though. It, it is awesome. But they have this little box like that they trap the ghosts in. That's what it looked like. This little metal box. Oh, and, okay. So I'm, I was, um, the, the movies you're talking about, I was thinking of something else. Yeah. Yes. There no, you go. No, the no. things where they trap the, the ghost yeah. through the little. So after, yeah, they, they put it into the little box. That's yeah. what their scale looked like. So I was like, where's the scale? And they were like, it's right here. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so I was surprised cause I was so much overweight and I kind of just like put my hands in the air and I was like, okay. And then Patty weighed in, I think he was like 154 or 53 even he was small. Yeah. Uh, and then we did our face-offs and, you know, at first he kind of walked up to me all big and bad, like, you know, fuck this guy for missing weight. And then we made eye contact and we shook hands and then we stared off and instantly I just saw this break in him. Like he realized I was there to fight and he was like, I'm not fighting this kid. Yeah. And so he starts flipping out and he's chirping, yada, yada, yada. And then I went back over to my teammate and I started drinking my water. I had a little cliff bar and Patty and his team come over and start flipping out you're going back in the sauna, da, 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 da. And I was like, dude, I can't, like, I'm, I'm physically not sweating. Like, it's not like I'm just like sweating and I don't want to cut weight. Like I'm physically not sweating. Yeah. And he, one of his teammates gets in my face and was like, you're going in the sauna. And I was like, are you going to make me? And I was like, cause we can fight right now. And then my teammate came in and was like, all right, guys, like, go sit down, sit down. And then Patty's still running his mouth. And of course I'm now I'm pissed off. I'm dehydrated. I don't feel good. Yeah. yeah. I've had a miserable weight cut. I've missed work. I've spent all this money to come fight in London. Never left the country before. And I got this kid yelling at me like I didn't just lose 24 pounds. And that's what I was saying to him is I was like, are we going to pretend I didn't take this short notice and lose 24 pounds to save your fight? Uh, 
And then he started changing the narrative, like, you know, you're wasting people's opportunity to fight after they specifically told me nobody would fight him. Uh, so I was like, that doesn't make sense. So me and him are going back and forth. And then he says, fuck that, the fight's off. And I was like, all right, see you later. We go back to the hotel. I didn't eat anything yet because I was like, maybe there's still a chance. He's on Twitter, bad-mouthing me. I'm texting the promoter, like, what can we do to make this fight happen? And they were like, well, in your contract, it says you, you offer up to 50% of your purse. I said, screw it. Take the whole thing. I was like, if I win, he can have my winner's purse too. He can have all my money. I don't care. Uh, you just wanted to fight. I just wanted to fight. At that point, I lost so much money from not being at work. I lost all that weight. I'm across the freaking globe. You might as well like, just do it. Yeah, might as well. Uh, and so then they were like, all right, we'll tell Patty. Patty's online, chirping. Somebody says to him, like, hey, what if Joe doesn't weigh more than 168 tomorrow on fight night? Like, would you take the fight? And he says, yeah. Okay. And I commented on it. And I said, done deal. I screenshotted it, sent it to the promoter. I said, hey, Patty says if I weigh in again tomorrow, fight's on. They text me back and they say, we've tried everything. Patty does not want this fight. So I'm sorry to interrupt you there. So you said not to backtrack. You said you faced off with him, correct? So at that point, did he agree to fight you at that point? Or why was there a face off then? So he didn't agree or disagree. He okay, just stepped on the point. scale. And w yeah. So I assumed the fight was on. Okay. And then after our little like verbal altercation, he was, we just kind of like left it as is. Nobody said if it was on or off. And he was like, nah, fuck that. I don't want to fight him. He's fat. Da, 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 da. And I was like, so is the fight on or not? And then like the promoters were like, oh, well, we'll keep in touch. This, that, and other thing. So I'm at the hotel yeah. sitting at the restaurant in the lobby, like, do I get a salad or do I get a cheeseburger and a beer? Cause I'm not going to waste my time out here if I'm not fighting. Correct. Uh, I got you. You're in London. So I'm, yeah. I mean, why not? And so then he's on Twitter saying, I just want a vacation. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, listen, I'm Italian. If I'm going to try and scam away to a vacation, I'm going to go to Italy, not England. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was his whole narrative that he said. And then we bumped into them in the hotel lobby and there was like 10 of them and they're trying to get big. And I was like, we'll fight you guys like two on 10. I came here to fight in a cage or not. Like I grew up fighting. I don't care. Uh, and then they were like, the promoters are telling me that he doesn't want the fight. So I screenshotted that and tweeted it. And he's, you know, he's got his whole flock of people. He's like, yeah. Oh, you photoshopped that. That's one of your buddies. I was like, how could I do that? I had to download an app to text in England. Um, <laughs> So it was just a whole stupid thing. And then he just keeps going and going. And then he calls me out to a bar fight. And I was okay. like, and so I was like, okay. And I was like, what's the bar? And he like drops the name. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So I'll just come look for you. And before I can even ask my teammate, he's already standing up like, let's go. And I'm like, word. So we're in the middle of London, walking down the street, looking at random bars, trying to find this kid. And we find him in the window, smiling, drinking a beer with his buddies. And we're like, all right, cool. Come outside. And he like starts laughing, like doesn't think I'll do anything. And he's like, why don't you come in here? I was like, no, because I want to beat your ass outside. I was like, why don't you come outside? Yeah, that sounds they fishy. Keep, yeah. And they keep saying, come in, come in, come in. So we go, I go, all right. I go, we come inside. I don't think they believed we were coming in. There was like a post when you walk in, you have to go around. Yeah. So I walk in, I didn't see him. I take a right and I see him sitting in the far corner and I'm like, what's up? And their faces just go white. They just, and I walk over and I go, so what's good in here or outside? Oh, we don't have to fight about this. Are you kidding me? Da, 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 da. And I was like, bro, are you for real right now? Yeah. And then in the corner of my eye, I see one of his little flockies, just his little camera guy he grabs his cell phone. And he kind of like tries to slickly like pull it up. And I go, yeah, record this. I go, I want the world to know that your boy's a bitch. And yeah. he's, he sits there like recording it. And I was like, dude, you just called me out to a street fight. I don't know how this works in England, but in America, we fight. I was like, so yeah. we can, we can fight in here or we can fight outside. Cause I didn't fly across the globe to not fight. Then one of his teammates stands up and I was like, you sit down. I don't have a beef with you, but we can have one if you want. He sits down, me and Patty are going back and forth. And then somehow, I don't even remember the conversation ends with Patty saying something along the lines of like, how about this? We'll go our separate ways. And if we we will shake hands and if we fight cool, if we don't, maybe we'll fight in the UFC. And everything in me was like, no, slap this kid. And I was like, okay, we can shake hands and let bygones be bygones. So I shake his hand. I said, gentlemen, have a nice night. Nobody's ever calmed me down that fast in my life. Maybe it's because it had to do with my career and not just some knucklehead in a bar. Exactly. But I calmed down so fast. I shook his hand. I said, gentlemen, have a nice night. 
and I walked out. And, like, I joked around with my teammate. I was like, I've never gone from almost fighting somebody to shaking their hand that fast in my entire life. So we leave. We go get a drink. We're eating. My phone starts blowing up again. Oh and I'm God. like, I'm like, what the hell? And it's Patty online talking shit about me. And all I said was, didn't we just have this talk? I thought we were cool. Starts talking shit to me this time. And I was like, do I need to come back to the bar? And now people are saying, what bar? What's going on? And I was like, for anybody that didn't know, Patty called me out to a bar fight. There was five of them and two of us. And I said, okay, let's fight. And then we did it because of Patty. And all he can return with is, oh, you're making it up, this, that, and the other thing. I was like, you had a camera guy there. Where's that video? I'm like, post that video. So nothing ever came out of it. We didn't fight. I left. You know, it sucks because Cage Warriors was pissed at me. I don't blame them. I apologize to them. They were pissed at you? Um, Oh, they were, they were pissed at me. So the only thing the Cage Warriors did out of that whole thing that I didn't like, and I personally didn't see this, this is what I was told, was during an intermission or something on fight night for Cage Warriors, uh, either the owner or one of the, the matchmakers or somebody got in the cage and said something along the lines of, Patty wanted to fight Joe after he missed weight, but we decided that it wasn't safe to fight after Joe missed by that much, so we didn't allow the fight to happen. Okay. So now that's something that I was told and that's very suspect because that's the furthest thing from what had physically happened. I have texts and everything. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I did apologize to cage warriors, the promoter, the matchmaker, everybody, how they treated us was awesome. Minus this one thing. So I did tweet, Hey, I heard this was said. If so, that's a bold face lie. I was like, but I do appreciate everything cage warriors has done. And that was it. Um, I've been in touch with the cage warriors matchmaker since then. But the uh, owner, I forget his name, Graham or Grant, I think Graham, um, he hasn't even, he didn't respond to my apology or anything. He's just not a fan of me, I don't think. And it is what it is. Like I said, I told him in my apology, I get it if you don't like me. I get it if you're mad at me for how I handle things and missing weight. I go, honestly, at this point, it just is what it is. I, I, I can't take it back. And so I never really heard from them again. Uh, and every, you know, every once in a while, I get, I get somebody tagging me because there's a post from Cage Warriors who do you want to see Patty fight next? And I get tagged and I'm like, you know, I'm down and Patty will talk shit. And it's like, well, there's been multiple cage warriors events since pre COVID. Um, And I'm like, you haven't signed a contract to fight me. So every day Patty doesn't sign a bout agreement to fight me. He proves my point. So you, you want to fight him? I would love to fight him. I want to fight him more than anybody on this planet. Okay. Interesting. So, uh, so as far as uh, Cage Warriors, though, you, you'd fight for them again, though, correct? I would love to fight for them again. Like I said, minus that one thing that was, that was more than likely said because it was a very close friend of mine that said they watched the UFC fight pass stream and that was said. If that was what said, I'm disappointed. But everything else they did on fight week, handling everything, uh, it was great. Like a mini UFC, super nice photo shoots, interviews, uh, busting us to the hotel and stuff. It was great. I'd love to fight for Cage Warriors if they'd have me back. So that's a so that's very interesting. Now, is it true that I guess one of your uh, one of your boys like stepped on the scale and offered to fight him? That's my dude. That's Johnny Cupcakes Campbell. I saw him and I saw I saw a video of that. I said, man, that guy's a, a, such a G. He said, I'll fight you tomorrow. I'm on this way. And he, I think he, he was on weight, actually. Correct. Oh, yes. So he had fought the weekend before in Massachusetts. So that was yeah. when I was like, OK, I'm not fighting because at the point where I decided pre cage warriors, like I'm not going to fight this year. It was a week out from my local card. I was trying to get a fight on a week's notice, and then I didn't. And then two days later, I got the call from Cage Warriors. I'm like, okay, is what it is. Um, But Johnny had just fought and won. Um, I forget who it was against. I'm pretty. It was a. I know it was a finish for a fact. Um, But I don't remember who he fought. But he won and he was healthy. He didn't take any damage. So then, when me and Patty are kind of yelling at each other at Wayne, Johnny looks at me and goes, "Can I fight him?" And so. Johnny's such a madman. I didn't know if he meant like, can I fight him in the cage tomorrow? Or can I fight him like right now in person? So I didn't know what he was asking, yeah. but either way I said, yeah, I was like, go for it. <laughs> and then and he stepped he rips on the off, Yeah. He rips off his shirt and his shorts and he's in his boxes and he jumps on the scale and he goes, 154, Patty, what's up? 154. And Patty's first excuse is, well, it's easy to say when you don't have medicals. And Johnny returned with, I fought last weekend. I have everything Joe has. And the room went silent. And uh, the owner of Cage Warriors, 
Yeah, and the owner of Cage Warriors, Graham, came up to me, and he, like, kind of pointed at my teammate, and I go, honestly, it's beyond my power. Like, he's a senior to me. He's trained years way before me. I don't tell him what to do. Uh, I go, but he is a 35er who weighs 154 because he just fought. I go, and he will whip Patty's ass because he is the, one of the best 35ers I've ever trained with. He is so freaking good. Okay, interesting. And so – I'm sure that was such a, a wild experience. So what do you have to say to, to those to those people that say, well, you took the fight on 10 days notice, you should have made weight. What do you have to say? Because I've heard some of those critics, that's one of the things that I guess Patty said that, you know, you knew what you were getting yourself into. What do you have to say to those kind of people that respond like that? A hundred percent. Two things, because everybody says I've never said it since then. And I've said it multiple times. Two things. One, I should have made weight. Obviously, that's not going to change what had happened. I should have made weight. Two, it's all my fault. I'm not blaming anybody else. I never have since it happened. I took responsibility for it. Those are the two biggest things I want to get out the way at first. And then it's just the other thing is as a fighter, you I know what I was getting myself into when I took the fight. But as a fighter, you also know what you're getting yourself into when you take somebody else's short minute fight or short notice fight. So Patty knew when I took the fight, you know. There's always a chance you don't make weight on a short notice fight. There is. Whether you want to say, yeah. oh, you should have, you need to, da, da, da. There's always a chance short notice you don't make weight. That's just the game. It's physics. Um, the other thing is, I've said it before, I'll die in the cage fighting because that's what I do. I will not die cutting weight for a fight. Um, I've had kidney failure before from a weight cut gone bad. So when I sit in a sauna for an hour and I don't sweat a bead, there's physically nothing else I can do except start chopping off limbs. And I'm not going to do that. <laughs> do you feel like this incident uh, hurt you in a sense when it came to trying to get back to the UFC? Um, probably not. I mean, I'm a big believer in Wolf of Wall Street. There is no such thing as bad publicity. Whether you're right. talking shit about me or giving me praise, you're talking about me. Uh, and granted, that's not what I'm going for. It's not the type of publicity I'd like, uh, but it's publicity. And it is what it is. Um, and I've always said to people, I'm not, I've never promised perfection, but I've always promised improvement. And since then, my weight's been lower. My weight cuts have been easier. Um, so you know what? It could be the best thing ever. Now, it could come full circle and I could fight Patty. And that would be the greatest moment of my life. And uh, so talk about what's the most excruciating thing about weight cutting for people at home that may not know. Um, so where do I begin? There is a lot, especially if you have a big cut. Um, so honestly we'll start with mentally mentally if it's like an eight week camp 10 week camp you miss out on things you know when i fight in the summertime it sucks you know my birthday's the day after fourth of july uh, there's always there's always barbecues going on stuff like that you know your friends kids birthday parties like you go to these things but you're a little less like lively and excited because you're tired because you're cutting back on your calories uh people are barbecuing and grilling food and hanging out and drinking beer like you can't even do that so you're kind of just sitting there like a loner drinking a jug of water while everybody's having a good time. Uh, so that sucks. Uh, you miss out a lot. A lot of times I skip events just because I don't want to be around all that food and shit. Or because temptation. I feel like I'm, yeah, between temptation and I kind of feel like I'm bringing the vibe down because I'm yeah. kind of just sitting there like I'm watching you guys all eat. I want to eat. Oh, for um, sure. And so that sucks. And then physically, there's two different parts. I mean, there's the part of cutting calories, your body adapting to it, and you have to do it healthily. So you can be big and strong and you can be small and weak and or light and weak, I should say. And you need to be the better of both worlds. You need to be light and strong for your fight. And that's what people don't understand. There's a difference between making weight and making weight and being able to perform. That's what fighters need to do. And uh, it took me a while to realize that, you know, I've made weight before and had terrible weight cuts. The Patty Pimblet fight, for example, I told him straight up, I wasn't even trying to talk shit to him. That night was Patty Pimblett's best chance to beat me because I botched that weight cut. I did whatever I could to get as low as I could. I lost so much muscle in yeah. 10 days that when I went back to the gym and started lifting, my numbers dropped drastically. I was lifting numbers so low that I was embarrassed to even be lifting in front of people. Um, so you so feel, I mean, you feel weak by the time, you know. Oh, horrible. Like a child, could, a child could beat me up. I, you feel so weak. What's, what's, uh, what's it like, I guess, the night before a weigh-in? I heard that's one the of the before, hardest nights. It is the worst. So me personally, I can't sleep night before weigh-ins. I'm just so uncomfortable and like your mouth's dry. Like a sip of water would be like God's greatest gift. Uh, <laughs> and you can't, and you can't have it. And then everything is tempting. Like you, you're watching TV, trying to put yourself to sleep. You see a Wendy's commercial and you're like, wow, I wish I had some of that. 
And then like a, a water company's commercial comes on. You're like, wow, an ice cold bottle of water sounds great. Just little things that like you never care about. Um, bread's a big home. thing. Oh, it hits home bad. Like bread. Like I watch somebody make a sandwich and I'm like, I don't even want the sandwich. I just want the bread. Yeah. I like, like I want the carbs. So it's just little things that you never care about. Or you're just like dying for. And then you got to sleep because you got to weigh in and be healthy to fight in two days. Um, so it's a roller coaster of emotion. So uh, what's it like? So you weigh in after that. And then uh, you immediately, I'm assuming you drink water after that. You get a protein bar. Do you actually, are you able to eat, uh, eat more, I guess, on the night of the fight, like the night before the fight though? So like, or is there like a specific thing that you have to do or certain things that you still cannot eat just because you're still trying to like, I guess, stay hydrated or stay, or stay I guess, in a healthy point before you go into a fight? Is, or, or is it you can just eat whatever you want after you weigh in? What's that like? So, so everybody's different. Um, personally, I can do either or. I can eat super, super clean or I can eat whatever I want. Uh, one of my favorite weigh-in pictures, I literally weighed in and then I stepped off the scale and had five guys. I had a burger in my hand as soon as I was off the scale. You love the five uh, guys. I love five guys. They're <laughs> so good. Uh, but if you eat clean – like five guys as funny as it's going to sound like it's a little greasy, but like five guys food is clean. Like it's clean, high quality beef. It's yeah. so like, you can eat that after a weigh-in as long as you're not eating like candy bars and ring dings and all this junk processed yeah. food. Like you can eat a lot more food than most people would think. Um, so, you know, I rehydrate, I'll have like a protein bar and then I'll have some soup to like the heat will open up your stomach cause it shrinks from cutting weight. Yeah. Uh, and then normally I'll have like a little snack and that night I'll go out to like some Italian restaurant and get chicken parm. Cause it's got a little of everything. I got chicken, I got the gravy, I got the pasta. It's, it's yeah, just like a perfect meal for me. Exactly. Day of the fight. I don't eat as much to be honest. I get like steak and eggs for breakfast with some toast. I have some coffee. Uh, if the diner has it, I'll get like some cornbread or like a corn muffin. And then honestly, I just kind of nitpick at stuff for the day. I don't have any more like meals. I just like yeah. pick at this, pick at that, have a banana or two before I fight. And then after I fight, I'll have like pizza and all this crap. Or more five guys. More five guys. If they're open, yes. You ever, uh, you're, you've never been to Texas, I'm assuming. I have, I, so technically, yes. My last fight on the way home, my flight stopped in Texas, but I didn't leave the airport, no. You got to have Whataburger, man. It's the best what is thing. It? Whataburger. Some people, some people, my friends probably listening to this will probably make fun of the way I say it, but it's what a burger. It's, huh. it's the most delicious hamburger there is, man. It's like a Texas really? thing. Yes. It's, oh, it's so mouthwatering, man. So, you know, I think it was at the Texas airport what I had. It wasn't Whataburger. I think I had a smash burger, I think. Smash burger is okay, but uh, I exactly. mean, like, it's, it's okay. okay. Yeah, I wasn't impressed. I but heard good things and what I was a like, burger, eh. man. Waterburger. Okay, you I'll keep you it gotta have that if you're if you're in the Texas area. So, uh, who's uh who's the the most influ influential uh, fighter that you uh you've seen? Because uh, I mean, growing up, you're an MMA fan. So, who's someone that inspired you to take this um take take this walk of life? Uh, so that's a very very good question. So it's weird. I have different inspirations for different things. Uh, Anderson Silva was the first fighter I ever saw. I, to this day, don't remember if I saw it live as a kid or if it was a, like UFC replay, uh, but it was the Forrest Griffin fight. The Anderson Silva one. Yeah. And yeah, he's and he just, you know, in, in the Matrix, hands yeah. down, all this. And I was a kid at my buddy's house and his dad was actually watching it. I didn't know what MMA was. And he was like, oh, this is called UFC. Like, these are fights. And then I watched Anderson doing all this stuff. And I go, that's not how you fight. But then he's like dropping them. And I was like, maybe it is. Yeah, he, uh, uh, he hurt Forrest that fight. Yeah, bad. So, you know, uh, Anderson is one of my top three favorite fighters of all time. And that he inspired me to like, he opened up the door to MMA for me. And he inspired me to do like, you can do anything in MMA if you make it work and you make it your own, be very creative. You know, Anderson's one of the most creative guys in the sport. So he inspired me in that way. Uh, you know, Steven Thompson kind of inspires like my striking style. Cause for a long time I had a very amateur wise i had a very plodding flat-footed style and it wasn't effective i was getting beat up a lot and then taking guys yeah. down and tapping them out um but you know with like my stephen thompson approach i'm very more bouncy i land more shots i'm accurate um so you know he's inspired me there and then mentally i'd say like the diaz brothers man i'm a huge diaz brothers fan yeah uh, Nate, i've watched Nate's like, awesome 
Yeah, Nick's awesome. Nick. I've watched their, their little like mini uh, docu-series things on YouTube thousands of times, just how they grew up. Uh, it was very similar to mine, like watching Nick Diaz try to explain, like, I got jumped at school, but because I busted the kid open, I get in trouble. Yeah. And, that hap- and that happened to me growing up. I've, I would get in a fight with somebody for picking on me, but because I won, I would get in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then the next day, like a group of kids would try to jump me because I just beat up their buddy. But I only beat up their buddy because he was picking on me. But you uh, look like a bad guy at the end of the day. Yeah. And then, but luckily kids from where I'm from, when they jump you, they literally like out of a Jackie Chan movie, try and take you on one at a time. So I fought like four kids one at a time. And like, I got beat up, but like, I hurt them too. And then I get in trouble because these kids have broken noses. And I'm like, I got black eyes too, you know, like there was four of them. Yeah. But because they look worse, I get in trouble. Absolutely. And so like growing up like that, I've, I've related to the Diaz's. So it was really cool seeing their, their backstory. So your very first fight that you saw was the, was Anderson Silva? In Forrest Griffin, yeah. The very first one I saw was Anderson Silva versus Rich Franklin. Was it- one or two. Oh, uh, the first one, man! It it really broke my yeah. heart. I was I'm a huge I was a huge Rich uh, Franklin fan. I still am. Uh, yeah, yeah it broke my Rich heart, Franklin. man. He was like my idol. Oh, he, you know, <laughs> he looked like Jim Carrey and stuff. Yep. I used to watch those Ace Ventura movies. So, oh, it was definitely heartbreaking. I remember watching Anderson fight, and to me, at least in my my very own eyes, as a fan, to me, he was the goat. To me, I'm like, yep. man, 100%. I'm like, who can beat this guy? I remember my dad and I were watching uh, a fight, the fight where he fought uh, Chael the first time, and Chael was beating him, was beating on him, man, Bad. for most of the fight. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, awesome. Like, going into the fight, I was like, there's no way in the hell Chael was going to mm-hmm. win this fight. And then uh, my dad, we were watching it at home. It was just the both and two of us, and he didn't like Anderson very much. He was, just wasn't a fan of him because he yep. won so much. So he's like, oh, my God, you know, Chael's going to win. Chael's going to win. And sure enough, man, that last minute, the fifth round. Just Crazy. caught him, and I just I couldn't believe it, man. I was like, God, man, no one can beat this guy. So that submission kind of solidified his legacy to me because I feel like Chael, because that was after the Damian Maya fight where everybody was ragging on him, yeah. uh, kind of running from from Maya because you know Maya's good on the ground. And Anderson realized that. Yeah. Um, but I feel like Chael was kind of brought in, like, all right, get rid of this Silva guy. Let's bring Chael in, and he almost did it. And then you know he didn't. He had it. Silva it was, it was a perfect fight. Had it in the bag. You know, he lasted another 10 seconds. He had it in the bag. Uh, but Silva didn't give up. And so that's why he's, yeah, he's the best. Yeah. To, to me, he was like, I, I know it's real tough in MMA to like, you know, clearly just call one guy the GOAT. But mm-hmm. in Anderson Silva's time, I feel like he was the, the best in his time, man. I mean. For sure. Nobody fought like him. Yeah. And he, he, he took him down, man. You know, he did it in different weight classes, too. I remember mm-hmm. watching him fight. Chris Liebing was his first fight in the UFC. And he just, you know, destroyed him. It's, yeah. It was very, it was very intense. Uh, so, what's uh, one of the biggest uh, lessons uh, that the sport of MMA has taught you in life? Um, I don't know if it's if MMA has taught me this, but I think it's reinforced the idea of just don't give up. I feel like there's, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in like history repeats itself, and I feel like the Ultimate Fighter per se there's because we talk about this on the show, and it was it's funny because it does happen from the Ultimate Fighter. Every season, you have a guy that does one thing. One guy becomes a superstar. One guy becomes a killer. Like, maybe not the most popular, but he's nasty. One guy kind of falls off, and you never hear from him again. One guy keeps fighting and just doesn't win fights. And then, you know, there's always one guy that does something crazy. And we would always joke about it in the house, like, which one would become which? And, you know, in your head – if you don't win the show, which I didn't, it's like, okay. So as of right now, I'm not the super popular guy. And it's like, well, I'm still fighting, but I'm not undefeated anymore. And I'm not rallying off wins like I was before. So I got, I like in your head, you're like, am I the guy that just goes on trying, but loses fights? And it's like, no, that's not me. And then it's like, I'm definitely not the guy that disappears. It's like, so this is my time. Like I got to be the guy that doesn't give up. And the guy that just becomes an animal. I don't care how popular I get, but Guys know that when they take a fight with me, this is going to suck. Who's the, who's the superstar? Was it, is it Bryce Mitchell, the one right now that, you're, that you would, you I would, would say? I would say it's, it's, yeah, probably Bryce. For a little while, I would say it's Luis, but I'd say I thought it was, Bryce I thought great. it was going to be Luis too, man. Yeah, for sure. And I would say it's, it's between Bryce and Luis. Um, you know, Bryce is blowing up right now. I think what it is is Luis blew up already. Like, he's a superstar, but he, like, already blew up. Blew up. 
and Bryce is currently still blowing up. Yeah, and it was uh, it was um, not shocking to me, but I remember watching him fight against uh, Brad Katona, and man, that fight was so good. I was uh, I'm not gonna say I was shocked that that Brad won, but I I guess I was shocked in the sense that you know Bryce ended up launching himself like forward mm-hmm. in the UFC, and unfortunately, like for Brad, I mean, unfortunately, you know, it's a tough part of the business. You know, he got cut, and I thought. Brad was really going to go go on to something in in the UFC. I, w- I was just very shocked about that. But Bryce is, is killing it right now, man. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, Bryce is a killer. I've been trying to tell people since I got home. Like, so I think I don't I don't know if I remember right. I think he fought after. Yeah, well, he definitely fought after me because I was the first fight. But I think yeah. he was like the second week after me. Uh, but I remember telling people when that aired, I go, "This Bryce kid, watch this Bryce kid. He's good." And you know, then they see the whole kind of like redneck thing going on. They're like, "Is this an act?" And I'm like, "No, that's who he is." That's who he is. So I'm like, he is a redneck, Nate Diaz. He is a bad motherfucker. He doesn't care. He's gonna scrap with anyone. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So uh, just real quick, because we don't have uh, that much more time left. Uh, there's some good couple fights coming up uh, during like the UFC Fight Island edition. Is there one particular fight you're looking forward to? I think I know your answer, but. I still want to hear your opinion on that. I, I don't know. I think I think my answer would surprise you. Um, So the answer you think I was going to drop yeah. could be even Gaethje. Yes, Obviously, sir. That fight is dope. I'm but so excited for that. Another fight I think that's going way under the radar is this weekend, Holly Holm and Irene Aldana. Yeah. Uh, Aldana is bad, man. She can hit. She's got hands. I really, really want to see her beat Holly Holm. Not because I have anything against Holm, yeah. but I feel like Holm is like the most – relevant fighter in her weight class but just never wins the title like she just always gets there and then loses one and then gets there and then loses one yeah i agree with you she's solidified her i mean forever she's cemented in the ufc record books because of you know what she did to rousey but i I do agree with that it's it's tough seeing holly lou i i like holly i think she's great Mm -hmm. you know it sucks and i think i think something that i for sure you know but a friend uh while i was uh, doing some jujitsu with a buddy of mine, he's telling me it's really hard to like to say, you know, I really want this person to win just because it's really hard to, uh, I guess, like root against another fighter. Yeah. So, you know, and he was telling me about, you know, he, how he knew some guys coming up and stuff. And it, I mean, it sucks, you know, you're rooting for someone, but at the same time, if you get the result you want, I mean, you pretty much like someone else is going through the negative so of the sport. I've tried to explain that to people before because I've had people comment on my post when I'm fighting somebody and they'll be like, uh, good luck and they'll tag the guy I'm fighting and like to the both of you da, da, da. and I'm like no 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 I'm like you cannot like you can root for whoever you want but don't come to my page and root for me and or my opponent yeah and like people think I'm being salty and like rude and they're like how are you nah. gonna tell a fan not to root da, 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 da. I go because when you say good luck to you and your opponent like you're saying well if your opponent wins I'll be happy and if my opponent wins, guess what? I get half a check and a loss on my record. That's a big hit on my career. Yeah, some people, some people don't get that. They're like, it's just a fight. And I'm like, it's tough when you make fight picks. You're rooting against somebody when you root for somebody else. And uh, the so and the pay works. So if you lose the fight, you get half of the purse. Mm-hmm. Ninety percent of the time, when you get you when you're the bigger superstars, your contracts are different. But most of it, it's show up and make weight for half your purse, or win for the other half. Okay, okay. And then do you get in there's a win bonus, correct? After that or no? That's already included. No, that's your, that's your win bonus. When you win, that's your other half. So you get your other half of your money. Yeah. Okay. So uh so we have Holmes Aldania. Uh you know a fight that's very under the radar there for that card is uh Carlos Condit versus Court McGee. Yeah, man. That's like I don't want to say like a legends fight. Like to me they're both like Condit's definitely a legend. Yeah. Uh, Court McGee is is like I wouldn't say legend, but he's an old time guy that I love watching because I watched his season of tough. And yeah. I remember like hearing his whole story. Um, yeah. And how he came so, back. Yeah. Super inspiring. I love Cormagy. I love Condit. That's one of those fights where I'm like, I'm not rooting for anybody. Cause I don't want to root against the other guy. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. The one I'll tell you what, the one I'm looking forward to is uh, Korean zombie versus Brian Ortega. It's Ortega's first fight since uh, December, 2018. I'm excited. I'm a T city fan. Uh, you know, it's a very interesting because, you know, you heard, I don't, I'm sure you heard of you know, what happened between him and uh, Korean Zombie. So it's going to be a very interesting fight. Who do you have winning that one? Man, everything in me says Ortega, but for some reason there's a little voice that's like Korean Zombie. Maybe it's because I can't see somebody finishing Korean Zombie. Minus Yair with his crazy man. back elbow. Yeah. Uh, that was like yeah. uh, something that doesn't, 
I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but man, just the way it happened at the time of the fight that, that, it, that it happened, man, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a headbutt. I, I remember Paul Felder yelling over the speaker. It was a headbutt. It was a headbutt. And I said to my friends, see, I told you. And then they showed a replay. And I'm nah, like, what he the hell nailed is that? <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah, I don't know what the heck it was. Like some sort of elbow. It, it was crazy. There's a, the other, another fight coming up. It's uh, Marlon Moraes versus Corey Sanahagen. Uh, who do you think can win that one? Or win that one? Mar- I think Marlon Moraes. Uh, after the fight, I mean, I'm not saying Sanhagen's not good. Uh, I think he's kind of small. Not small for the division because he's a tall, lanky guy. But I just don't think he's had enough muscle yet. Uh, the way Al Jermaine just absolutely handled him, I knew that's how it was going to play out. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd say Moraes. And Al Jermaine's a very underrated fighter, man. I feel like he, uh, he definitely isn't deserving of a title shot. No idea why they keep uh, not giving him what he deserves, man. Yeah, me either. I think he's going to run that division for a while. Um, obviously, the only person I think that can give him trouble is Marais, who knocked him out before. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you know, to close out the fight island events, we already talked about this, Khabib versus Justin Gaethje. Very interesting fight. I'm very excited for this fight. Gaethje's a guy that, to me, I no one, I guess not no one, I just wasn't a believer in his style, I, I seen him uh, fought against Justin Poirier, and I saw how Poirier just, like, unleashed on him. I said, oh, okay, well, you know what? Maybe, you know, he just kind of hit his peak. And then you see him, uh, what he did to Tony, man, and it, it was – I lost words. I couldn't even explain it. I said, you know what? I'll, I'll take the all on that. I was very wrong. So he's uh, very interesting to fight. Uh, obviously, who do you have? I think I already know your answer. <laughs> I have Khabib. Well, with, without a, do you give a, a Gaethje, besides a puncher's chance, do you, do you give a Gaethje a solid chance to win this fight? No. And it's not to discredit his skills, but when you fight Khabib, no matter how your style is on the feet, you have a puncher's chance. I don't see anybody out wrestling Khabib. I don't see anybody submitting Khabib. So whether you're a professional kickboxer that got an MMA or you're just a Justin Gaethje that doesn't care if you get hit and you throw bombs, you have, I think, just a puncher's chance. Against him. And how, you train with him, correct? Yep. Real quick, how is that? How is that like? Miserable, absolutely miserable. He makes you feel like you're not very good. He makes you feel like I never trained before. I was like, oh, this is cool. Every, like I thought I was so like not the best in the world, but I thought I was really good, and now I feel like I'm not so good. And then, uh, wow. So, um, real quick before we close it out, any advice you'd give to anybody that's uh, looking to get into MMA or any any MMA prospects that are trying to build up and get into the UFC or just have the sort of success that you've had? Uh, don't be lazy, work your ass off. Don't give up. Um, yeah, man, that's the biggest thing I have. I've had people that I don't really know tell me to give up. I've had people I don't really know say, Hey, keep going, keep doing you. I've had people close by my side saying, Oh, well, if it doesn't work out and I'm like, no, it's going to work out. That's just, it's set. It's going to work out. You want it, go get it. And, uh, is there anyone in the UFC right now that you'd love to fight? If you could fight Mike anyone, Mike Trezano, the rematch. Yep. Awesome. Well, there, there you have it, folks. Uh, I want to thank Joe G and Eddie for joining me on today's show. Joe, is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? Uh, stay tuned, guys. Hoping to get a fight soon. And Genetti MMA on all social media if you want to join along for the ride. Yes, and I'll actually have uh, Joe's Instagram linked in the description of this episode and as well as on my link tree on Instagram. Once again, thanks Joe for joining me. Thank you all for listening. I'll catch you later guys. Goodbye.